0: Welcome to another episode of Everyday Strong with Dr. Michael G. Daniels. This episode is part two. So please sit back and relax and enjoy part two of a great conversation. Now, um, you mentioned the uh, Sabbath and he repeated this uh, a whole lot. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm going to make a statement. Chick-fil-A. Mm-hmm. and me and Sherry talk about, my wife Sherry talked about Chick-fil-A being closed on Sunday we'd be like, man man, are you you're hungry? I said, I wish Chick-fil-A was over. <laughs> and I told Sherry, after reading um, Exodus, I said, look I now understand mm-hmm. why he's closed on Sunday. But then look how successful Chick-fil-A is and he's closed one day out the week. Right, And one part in the in the Bible, God said, Do not work on, on the Sabbath day right? shall you die. And He went that far, he went all the way to that. And I'm and I'm sitting here reading that and I'm saying, okay. I've heard other people debate which day is the actual Sabbath day. Is it Saturday or is it Sunday? So I said, Well, I have no idea which day. <laughs> You know, and and I, and I, so I don't know which day I should take off, so I think I related to what America basically did. So you know what? Let's take the whole two days off and call it weekend. <laughs> so therefore, we write either way. <laughs> so, so can you clear something up sure. for for me at the very least? Um, which day is actually the Sabbath day? Is it Saturday or is it Sunday? Well, in the in the Old Testament.
1: Well, actually, in the new two. The, the Sabbath is actually Saturday because the Sabbath is the last day of the week. Yes, right. Uh, six days, God created heaven and earth. Seventh day, um, we say he rested. That, that's not literal. That's figuratively, right, that he rested. Um, so that's the last day of the week, right? However, there's a, there's a Christian Sabbath, and the Christian Sabbath is the first day of the week. Okay. And the reason why the Christian Sabbath is the first day of the week is because it is recorded that Jesus rose from the grave on the first day of the week. Right. And so we as Christians, that's when we celebrate because we're, we're celebrating and we're worshiping through Jesus Christ as our Lord. Right. Uh, and so we celebrate it on the first day of the week. And that's why there's that difference there. Uh, rather than the last week, we do it on, on the first day. Uh, and, and, and the other thing that we want to keep in perspective is this, and I think Chick-fil-A has it down cold, that that you know what, and that's why they're also so, so successful, but they are giving their, even their employees an opportunity to say, hey, listen, we want you to go and worship your God, so therefore, right. we're going to give you Sunday off. Um, but but remember, um, no priest was off on the Sabbath day. Right. Matter of fact, they work pretty hard on the Sabbath day. Right. When you're slaughtering animals and, and gutting them and all this stuff, they were working pretty hard. But here's what Jesus said. Remember that man was not made for the Sabbath. The Sabbath was made for man. And so what Jesus was telling us is this, is that when God said rest on the Sabbath and worship on the Sabbath, because he didn't want you to kill yourself, he wanted you to have a day of rest and reflection and worship, Right. And so he made a comment to 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 the Pharisees. He said, "Which one of you, if your ox fall in a ditch on the Sabbath, will leave him there, or will you not go and pull him out?" Right. He said, "But that's work. Pulling him out is, is work. So if you will pull out an ox on the Sabbath, why would you condemn me for healing somebody on the Sabbath?" Right. You know, because both are work. So again, and that's why I'm saying it's so critical to under, to 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 digest the Exodus and Leviticus. And Deuteronomy as well, because now you understand God. It's not just well, I do it as a puppet. I understand what He's referring to. And so, like for example, uh, if I can do no work on the Sabbath, well, if you dial the EMT, should he not come? Right, you, right. You, you know, if I'm getting robbed, should the police not stop the robbery because of the Sabbath? If
0: right. that's the case, you know, one day a week, <laughs> well, everybody be all hell going breaking. Well, <laughs>
1: you know, so you got to keep it in perspective. You know, they, now I remember you're too young for this, but I remember when they, we they, we had what we call blue law. And it was against the law to open up any retail outlets on Sunday mm. other than a drugstore. Wow. And that's because they viewed the drugstore as being, for health reasons, you know, important. So you could, did you, did you there, there were no malls open on Saturday. Yeah. You know, actually we didn't have malls yet. Uh, but and then when we first got malls, the malls didn't open on Saturday. And like Roses and, and Kmart, they didn't open on Saturdays. So it was closed on Saturdays? Yes. Wow. All you could do is go to a drugstore. Now, Kmart put drugstores inside of them so they could open on Saturdays. But <laughs> <laughs> so there were is- certain things they wouldn't sell you on a Saturday. Okay? And there were some cities, for example, that would not sell. I'm, I'm sorry, they don't say it on Sunday. Okay. They, you know They would. didn't they, they open on Sunday, the Sabbath. That's right. I don't know why I said Saturday, but on a Sabbath. So you couldn't open a store on a Sunday because Sunday was the Sabbath. So blue law said you couldn't open a retail store on a Sunday. Uh, forgive me for saying Saturday, I meant Sabbath. I remember when you couldn't buy alcohol on a Sunday. Yeah. you could only- I mean, that's just recently in, in Virginia where you could buy um, alcohol on a Sunday. Well, it, it, it depends on what locality you was in. For okay. like, see if you lived in Portsmouth, you couldn't buy it on a Sunday. But you go to Chesapeake and buy it, because I remember my stepfather. We lived in Capital Manor. Right. Our stepfather would drive to the Seven Eleven in Chesapeake to buy his Ripple, <laughs> because he couldn't buy it in right. Portsmouth. Right. 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 You know. So back then, those um, entrepreneurs or in those retail stores, they still made plenty of money. You know why? Because everybody closed on Sunday. Well. Right. People didn't throw their money in the trash can. They still right. had needs. Right. They just showed up on Monday, Monday. and spent
0: the money. Right. So they
1: spent the money in six days rather than in seven days. That was the only difference. Yeah.
0: And, I, and I've, I've noticed um here past probably about 10 years where when I was coming up, everything was closing at 6 o'clock on Sunday. Mm-hmm. And yeah, say so if you didn't have what you needed by 6 o'clock on Sunday, it was a wrap. Dundee. Now everybody pretty much opened to 8 o'clock anyway right. even on Sunday trying to get the extra dollar. But then I found myself the other day at Best Buy after 6, and there was hardly anybody in there. It's like you open for no reason. You might as well just go ahead and, and shut the doors. They need to go back and allow people the opportunity to rest
1: and to worship and serve their God. I you know, hospitals need to be open on Sunday, obviously. You know, drugstores need to be open on Sunday, obviously. There are certain things that need to be open, but a retail outlet doesn't. And so to me, if if, if I am an, a business person and I'm trying to say, Well, what would God want me to be? And that's the thing about the, the, the Bible, it helps me understand God, right? What would God want me to do? Then just because the law says I can open on Sunday, mm-hmm. I would still say I know God does not want me forcing my employees to be here when they could, when he when He wants them to have the ability to go and worship him. So if I was an entrepreneur, if I owned my own business, I would not open on Sunday because that forces my employees not to be able to go to their house of worship and worship on Sundays. And I want God to bless me for honoring him because I my belief is if I honor God and I, and I serve God first, he will supply all my needs.
0: Yeah. I know what was interesting in college, um, when I played in Oklahoma, mm-hmm. you know, you play on Saturday. So a lot of people don't notice, but the next day we're which is Sunday, when we if we're out of town we try to come back, we're back in the locker rooms, in mm-hmm. the meeting rooms, watching film mm-hmm. or working out or whatever. So we really during the season you really have is seven days a week. Mm-hmm. And we had a couple of teammates who was mad because he was from Norman, mm-hmm. and he wanted to go to church. Right. And if but if he went to church when we had a home game, mm-hmm. he would miss half the meetings. Right. So you know, of course, we in the locker room said, "Yeah, how the coach going to tell you you can't go to church?" Now, what's funny is the people that's talking about this and, and encouraging him to miss the meeting, mm-hmm. have no intentions oh, on going church. to church. <laughs> okay? So he went to church. And the coach was like, where's such a such at? And everybody was like, uh, he, he went to church, coach. Mm-hmm. So the coach. You know, he knew he was in this gray area. You know, he didn't want to make a, a, a statement, a right. wrong statement. So he showed up and showed up the next day, which was Monday. He had homeboy running around at the practice, making sure he never did that again. And then the reason why he said this to him was because you did not tell me you was going to church. Mm-hmm. So he punished him for missing the meeting, but punished him basically for not telling him that he was going. But you know what was interesting? He never went back to church. And that's the, the unfortunate thing that I think a lot of people don't realize, even with you know, student-athletes, that are playing on Saturday, Mm -hmm. a lot of them do not have the opportunity to go to church, even if they wanted to on Sunday, because Sunday morning we're watching film. Well, not only that, again, remember what I said, the man was not made for Sabbath.
1: Sabbath was made for man, which meant God's intention was for everyone to have a day of rest. Right. And, and, And even if they didn't go to church, what you're saying is what? No day of rest. Right. And so that still is contrary. And it's, it's even contrary to common sense, if you think about it. Mm-hmm. You know, common sense says you need a day off. Right. Right. You need a day off. Now, e- even at the pro level, the difference with the pros is this. They can talk more, a little more junk than you can in college. Right. And, you know, and that's right. why college coaches have a difficult time transitioning to the pros. Right. Because they're trying to treat the kids like they're still in college. They have a day off, right. and they're playing at a higher level. right? But that's because they know what? I, my body needs time to rest. My right. body needs time. My mind needs time. All of the law in the Bible are there for our benefit, not for punishment. And I think that's a problem, part of the problem, <clears throat> that we look at the law as if it's for punishment purposes. And it's not. It's for our benefit, therefore our good. When the Lord tells us to honor him, for example, as we talked about a little earlier about when you break the laws down, when he says to honor him and, and give him worship and and and, and 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 give those sacrifices for that reason, th- that's not for his benefit, it's for our benefit, even though we are giving and giving him the glory, okay? Now, again, he made us in his own image. Now, if you have one child that always honors you as dad and one child, that doesn't say anything to you but keeps coming to the table eating your food, <laughs> which one you going to bless the most? Right. That's right. You know? you look either Both of them are yours. Both of them you love. But one always honors you, and one just eat the food and do not say nothing. Right. Well, the one that honors you is the one that you're going to give a little extra uh, lenience to, the one that you're going to help out a little more when they fall. Right. You know, even though we say we're going to treat them the same, we know we don't. Right. We're going to treat them a little different. So, so it's really to our benefit to do that. Well, it talks about how to deal with each other, right? Well, isn't it to my benefit to treat you the way the Bible says to treat you?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, because yeah, then we can resolve things quickly, right? Like, for example, the law dealt with the fact that, let's say, if I do something and injure your calf, right? Then the law says I'm supposed to what? I'm supposed to give you back mm-hmm. what I took from you. Right. Well, isn't that to both of our benefit? Yeah, cause if I don't give you something back, I got to run, or right. I got to shoot you, cause right. you're gonna be looking for me, <laughs> right. right? So either I'm gonna kill you, you are gonna kill me. When if I just the law says here it is, boom, right. and now you you know, and I'm told that not only give it to you back, but whatever you lost as a result of not having him for that period of time, well, that puts everybody back on a, a level playing field. So the law was for our benefit. It was not just something that we look at as honest, harsh stuff. The eating laws, right? They're for our benefit, right? You know, we look at it like it's not, but it is. It's for our benefit for health reasons. I know that for health reasons, I shouldn't eat certain things, right? But so the Lord is just saying, Hey, listen, don't do it. Keep your cholesterol level down, right? Eat healthy, right. So you can have a long, prosperous life. But for us, it's like it's a penalty, right? I can't eat crabs,
0: I can't right. eat shrimp. No, it's not a penalty, right? It's to help and and the crazy thing is most people wouldn't even have access to crabs and shrimp if there wasn't for somebody supplying it and it's right there in the store. But if you actually had to go get it yourself, I, I know I'm not going to get on the boat, go out there. I don't like shrimp that, that much to right. go out there and go shrimping. You know, I don't like crabs that much to go to the pier and you know and try to get some crab season. And I know people that do it. I just I don't like crab that much to do that.
1: Right. And, and again, I, I'm not I'm not telling folk that they cannot eat it. You know, because again, granted, those are for health reasons. It's right. not like it was something where God saying you you know I'm going to cast you out. Uh, you know, of the promised land. Right. If you don't do this. But it was for our own benefit the, the laws that dealt with contagious diseases it was for our own benefit so he didn't say if you do something I'm gonna, you know i'm gonna cash you out he right. just said listen this is these are health laws and so <clears throat> same thing you should re- readily quarantine yourself and that's what i do a doctor doesn't have to tell me to quarantine myself if i have an issue you right. know if my nose is running you know just like you know i woke up sunday morning for example and prior to Sunday, I felt fine. I woke up Sunday morning, I felt horrible. And so I let people know, I'm not going to shake your hand. I'm not going to come close to you. And I, you know, yesterday, I let people know on Monday, I'm not going to be around anybody. I'm going to stay home. I'm going to quarantine myself, as the Bible says, until it's, it's over with. So I know I'm not contagious. You know, and i need the
0: doctor to tell me that. The Bible tells me that. Right, right. Now, um... Switching gears uh, slightly here, we had talked to, uh, a little bit last week um, off air mm-hmm. about um, other pastors and them being successful and the negative connotation that comes with that, that basically follows pastors all all around mm-hmm. due to how, how they're portrayed on TV. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's the CEO, then it's the pastor. There's, there's always some... It's, I'm not going to say evil, but just it's an antagonistic type of character sometimes. You know, unless you're watching a Christian station. But (laughs) other than that, it's usually a bad person that's in the leadership role. And we talked about it. Even sometimes on the Christian (laughs) station. Yeah. So explain in simple terms why pastors do most likely have stuff or an abundance of things, and you've explained it to me, but I, I wanted to kind of capture it on on the air. Sure. Yeah, and, and and when we say abundance, let me clarify
1: because abundance, one man's abundance is not another man's abundance, right? So, but 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 how do how do parents get compensated based on the Bible? I guess that's the question, right? right. Okay, here's how the Bible says passage should get compensated. You know, I'm gonna go by Old Old Testament and New Testament, right? In the Old Testament, compensation was simple and Jesus in no way said that that manner of in the pastor should be obliterated. In the Old Testament, for example, it started out, you have 12 tribes. And those 12 tribes each were given land in the promised area so that they could thrive and grow and, and conduct commerce and all those kinds of things. Well, 11 tribes were given land and one tribe was not. That was the Levitical tribe. The Levitical tribe's job was to deal with the worship of God and the temple and those kinds of things. So they were what we would consider the, um, the, the like the deacons and 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 the pastor in today's you know times. All right. <clears throat> now they didn't have land. So if you have no land, you have no way of conducting commerce. Right. So each of the 11 tribes were required to give 10% of their increase to the Levitical tribe. 10%. So as you know just doing the math, right? If the 11 tribes give 10%, then that's more than 100%, right? Right. So that means the Levitical tribe had about 110% of what the other tribes had. Right. So just based on that, they had slightly about slightly more. However, the Levites, which we would look at as being like deacons or lay ministers, I would mm-hmm. say, those Levites had to give 10% of their increase to the priest. And the priest would be like the pastor. So they had to get 10% of theirs to the priest. So that meant that what? Not only the Levites get 10% from the, the other folk, but then the priest got his 10% from the Levites. Right. So that means the priest would have more than the Levites. Right, because uh, just by because of the, sh- the sheer numbers. So based on that, the person with the most always end up being the priest. Right, he didn't have land, but he had the best of the food. He had the best of everything because you always gave your best to God. So the tribes gave their best to the Levites. Right, and the Levites gave the best of what they had to the priests. Right, now the priests would take the best of what they had and give it to God, but they also kept the you know if you look at it they just the way things rolled, they had better than what the people in the field had. Right. That's how the Old Testament set the priests up. So the priests always had more abundance and they had, I guess, better quality right. than those that were out in the field. Now, Jesus said that you don't muzzle the ox to tread the corn, And basically saying that anytime a, a, a pastor is working, he is worthy of some of that which he is pulling in. For example, the the, the the way he said to them was this the, uh, the parable is when an ox is on the grinding wheel you know, you hook him up to the wheel and he's walking around to to um, mash the corn up in the meal the ox is going to reach down and eat some of it right? and say so you don't stop the ox from eating because what, he's working
0: right? and so
1: it says the same way that the priest then or in, in since now we don't bring uh, cows and we don't bring lambs in you bring the money in right so he's saying that just like the ox will take what he needs to survive it's okay for the pastor or minister to take what he needs to survive because you are most of the ox and trade the coin so that's the way the system is set up okay the unfortunate thing is this is that there are some pastors that look at pastoring as a career and not as a calling right And so the bad name comes from those that look at it as a career because their primary objective is to be a CEO. (laughs) Right. You know, to get more money as opposed to saying, how can I serve those that I'm supposed to serve, but yet still take care of me and take care of my family? And that's the primary reason why we have those differences. And I can tell you, I find it um, really, really difficult to digest myself when I look at the lifestyles of some pastors. Um, not because I think they have a lot. I don't have a problem with you having a lot. If you got a Rolls Royce, right. and you know, if if, you, if your congregation is large enough to support that, that's fine. If you got a private jet, if your congregation is large to support that, that's fine. What I have a problem with is you know Jesus and the, the Scripture says that the Scripture teaches us that we should never be in a position where our good is evil spoken of. Mm-hmm. The problem I have is with these TV shows where you have um, these pastors on TV uh, making a mockery out of their pastorate, you know, just so they can make money. Mm-hmm. You know, that's the problem I have. Uh, and to me, that's not trying to serve God. That's trying to serve self.
0: Yeah. Now, but isn't it a a, a fine line between? Being a pastor or being a CEO of a, because some churches are massive organizations with sure. massive programs. And mm-hmm. some of the programs we're trying to get started at the church, you know, with the youth program mm-hmm. and everything. Eventually, you're going to you have employees, and sure. you know, so someone has to lead that. And mm-hmm. of course, money has to get has to get raised in order to pay for people that's going to be doing those positions.
1: Well, I, I, absolutely, that's what I'm saying when I said that in today's terms, you would have the priests excuse me, then you had the priests and the Levites. Mm-hmm. In today's terms, you have the pastor, lay ministers, deacons, whoever is working in the church. So in today's terms, you would have the pastor and you would have those workers in the church. See, back then, the Levites who were not priests, they were still Levites. Right. They carried out those tasks that, you know, the organizational kind of stuff, you know. Mm-hmm. They're the ones that made sure the church operated or the temple operated the way God had to operate from an organizational point of view. Mm-hmm. And then the priest was the one that was responsible for the worship part, the, the actual going into it and petitioning God on behalf of the people. So that would be like the pastor. The pastor is similar to the priest. His job is to make sure that our worship is what God will have it to be. Right. Then you have the deacons or those paid employees, whatever. See, in, in theory, you know, everyone that works in the church should be paid. Right. In theory. Because in the Old Testament, they were paid, right. taken right. care of by the people. The reason why, especially in our communities, let me, let me straighten it out now, right. in our communities, you know, when I say our communities, I mean African-American <laughs> communities. Right. We have a problem paying anyone other than the pastor. We don't care if the pastor is riding high. We want right. the pastor to ride around in a brand-new Cadillac every year. Right. That's what we want. We have a problem paying other people. And since we're probably paying other people, we don't support the ministry as we should, mm. you know. And so that makes it hard. So we put all the weight on the pastor. The pastor has to do everything because we don't pay the other people. Right. And if you don't pay people, their priority becomes paying their mortgage. So that's their regular job. So therefore, they can't do the other things. So that's why oftentimes the programs will suffer if the pastor is not managing the program. Mm-hmm. Because other folk are not gonna be dedicated. They're not getting
0: paid to do it. So why is it that why do you why do you think the people don't want to pay other people? Or the other people get paid? Because they don't understand
1: the Bible. They don't understand the Bible. They don't understand the concept of ministry. Just like, you know, they just think they do. Mm-hmm. Most people don't study the Bible to understand God. They read the Bible to, to try to reinforce their own ideas. And they don't, like you said, they don't like to get to the Old Testament. They read one or two books in the New Testament. They don't even read the whole New Testament. They might read one gospel. right, And, and that's it. And then just listen. You know, you think about how a church operates, for example. <clears throat> a church operates basically like a business. It, it really does. Right. right. There are tax laws that govern how you operate. Right. Uh, so that means that if if the pastor is the only one there, he has to know all the tax laws, so he can make sure that what number one he's adhering to the 501C3 that you have established, right. that he's making sure that the taxes tax rate when you know, for those who are employed, you know the few people that are the musician, secretary, whatever, he has to make sure that 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 he that he's filing those you know quarterly uh, 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 statements for for payroll. That he's filing all those, and then they, they, he's double checking them, making sure they're right. You know, mm-hmm. those kind of things. Every time the tax uh, withholding changes, you got to be abreast of that to make sure that that goes in. You still pay all the bills. You got to deal with all the state requirements for taxes as well, because mm-hmm. you know we don't have a business manager to do all that kind of stuff. Right. And it's still the business of the church that you got to deal with. You know, let's say you're built, you're constructing a building. Right, you know, he's got to be the, the 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 con. He got to be the the the, con- the construction rep and manage the program. He's got to manage the contractors. He got to come out and do the reviews and make sure the work was done properly. So he has to have some engineering skill. He has to have you know all, you know all these kinds mm-hmm. of skills to deal with all this kind of stuff. Plus, he 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 got to be the counselor. So <laughs> right, he, he's got to be the therapist. Right, he's got to be the financial manager because the people who have financial problems they want to come and see. I heard that you know finances. So they want to sit down and have him talk to them about their finances and how to invest and all this stuff. He's got to be a social worker. Pastor, my son just got locked up. My son going to you know going to trial tomorrow. So he's got to be a social worker. He's got to be the advocate at school for the children. He's got to be all those things for all those people. Because, right. because he, he, I can't tell someone to take off from work. And go do that for me. I can't, you can't, you know, and I'm, just, I'm using me, but, but
0: any, any pastor,
1: you can't call one of your deacons up and say, listen, I need you to take off work today. Right. And go and be be the advocate for this person in school. He's going to be like, uh, Pastor, I can't use my leave for that. Right. I got to pay my bills. That's right. You see. And so all that is put on the pastor. Now, of course, he can't do all that well. He can't, it's impossible. Right. He only has the same amount of time. And plus, he still has a family, he right. still has a wife. And you don't work, you don't they don't want the pastor to work uh five days a week they want to work five days a week right but they want the pastor to work seven, seven. days a week yeah see so they don't believe that the pastor should have a Sabbath <laughs> <laughs> right He shouldn't have risk that if they were following if we follow the Bible then they, that that would be because the pastor would spend his time connecting with God on behalf of the people. Dealing with the worship part, he would be able to have the Levites who so that would be their job, the operation of the church. That would be their job. They'll be paid to do that. So he wouldn't have to worry about it. And I put it in terms of our own church, for example. As you know, we just had a new sound system installed, right? Well, who managed it? I didn't. Right. Why? Because the musicians work. Right? right? One musician is a Virginia Beach detective. He can't get off work to come right. up there and manage that process. The other one works for the federal government. He ain't getting off work to come manage that process, right? There's this sound guy, what, works for the city of Virginia Beach. He didn't get off work to come manage the process, so right. he had to manage it. The pastor. Well, out of all the other things that I had to do, right. I gotta do that, too. What Well, if there was, like you said, if there was a business manager that was being paid and most, most churches that are in the majority churches, not the minority churches, the majority churches have a minister. That is the minister that deals with business. Mm-hmm. But he's still a minister. Right. You know, he still uh, has that, you know, that biblical background. But even if, when you go to seminary, you, do, you, still take business, you still take business courses in seminary. Right. And so, but that person can do that. And so the pastor can do other things. But that requires people to follow the, you know, the teachings in the Bible, so that everybody's giving to support the ministry. That's not what people give. They give to support one thing. If I'm paying this bill, paying taking care of the pastor, the rest of it, we shouldn't have to worry about. We shouldn't worry about someone to do visitations and, and right. someone to do work with the children and, and someone to do counseling and stuff, you know, all those kind of things. We don't worry about that. You know, we, we, we want to have that stuff, but we don't worry about how it's going to get paid for Right, they just automatically think that the money is falling out of the sky. And somebody gonna go pray, and they're gonna lay hands on a twenty-dollar bill, <laughs> and it's gonna multiply <laughs> and become a hundred-dollar bill. But yeah. that's not, you know. So you know, so you you're right. In order in order to run a church effectively, that's what you need because it is it is it's a business. And anytime you, the anytime churches grow to a point, uh, to where they have, and, and, and I, um, let me, d- diminishing returns, and I, let me explain this because I don't know if everyone understands this. There's an economic term, the law of diminishing returns. right? And the law of diminishing returns says this, that at some point, I don't care how much effort you put in, you will grow until you get to a point where it becomes chaotic and you get less out of it. Mm-hmm. You know, and here's the example. Let's say I'm running a restaurant, right? Have a small restaurant mm-hmm. and have a kitchen and the kitchen has two, two stoves in it. Right now I start out with one cook. Okay. And that one cook is doing fine. And then I get more customers. So I had two cooks Well, those two cooks are doing great. Why? Cause they have two stoves. I get more customers. So I say, I'm going to go to three cooks, but I only have two stoves. Right. So now they're saying, wait a minute, you, I, I had my food up here first. So my thinking is, Because the food's not coming out fast enough, I need to add another cook. So I put another cook in. Right. It gets more chaotic because I've reached the law of diminishing returns, where the more I put in, the less I get out. Well, the same thing happens with churches oftentimes, is that when people start coming in, right, the pastor, it gets to a point where you are to the law of diminishing returns because the more you put on him, the less he can produce. Right, you know. Okay, how great he is. The less he can produce in each area, and that's where it's like the junior pastors come into play. Right, because if his mind is always on doing one thing, he can't devote fully to the to the message for that Sunday. He can't devote fully to you know to buy to these kind of things because his mind is splintered all, and so that's the law of diminishing returns. As a point that he's not not as effective as he ought to be, and so. When you can free him up from that stuff, you know whoever you you can free him up, and he and he has those that staff to do that. It allows him to focus more, you know, focus more. Uh, there's a concept that, like again, you know, we we often you know, for, and I say this, and I was speaking to one of our you know young young folk, for example, and I was mentioning this to her, and I said, I oh, hope she don't get mad at me saying this, but if she don't say nothing, nobody know about it but me and her, right? They yeah. don't know about it. And, and, and I mentioned something to her about how things are not getting done. And she said, "What's well, that's the difference between leadership and management. And I didn't say anything, but I thought myself, no, that. There ain't a difference between leadership and management. It's the difference between people being dedicated to doing what the Bible says do. Right. Right. Because her concept was if the only time things get done is if I'm there is because they view me as a good leader but I'm not managing the process. Well, if I don't have someone to manage, (laughs) right, right. There's no one to manage. And that's what people don't get. There is no youth pastor to manage. So therefore, that's not a a leadership problem. That's what the members have not contributed enough so we can hire a person. Right. And it it ain't, it ain't like, you know, that's not something that you can effectively do with someone Who's not getting paid? I can tell you that right now. Oh yeah, that it, it doesn't work that way because you can't be the youth pastor, you know, three hours a week. Yeah. You, you know that <laughs> does, doesn't work. And 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 what gonna happen is the Bible says this: where well, your treasures are is where your heart will be, and you can't serve two masters. So if that person has to de- has to make a decision, what's first in my life?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Going to work. And getting paid to pay my bills or coming up here and dealing with a problem that dealing with the youth, they're going to choose paying their bills first. Mm-hmm. And so, who's going to have to deal with the fact that they just went out to pay their bills? The, the work too has to be done, right? So, who's going to do it? And the pastor, right? The pastor, <laughs> to go back and do it, right? Because it has to be done, you know. You know what I'm saying, yeah. And that's what you know, oftentimes in our churches, we forget, you know. Mm-hmm. And that's why I often now I'm, I'm saying it, if you compare. In, in our community, for example, if you compare in our communities the size of of churches in the majority and how they operate, and it's side, churches in the minority and how they operate, what you find is there's a storefront church, a black church on every other corner.
0: Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. And it's
1: because that's our mentality. Mm-hmm. See, we can't grow because the members won't let us grow.
0: I, and I also looked at it as, the fact, when, when I saw that, is you have a pastor that's a pastor of a storefront church with maybe 20 people in it because he hasn't found satisfaction in being a junior pastor at a larger church and having more of an impact. Like, he wanted to be the man, so to speak, for mm-hmm. 20 people versus being... Second or third in charge for three hundred people, right. which, in the sense, it doesn't really make a lot of sense. If you were able to affect three hundred people versus twenty, you would think you would, you know, just tell the twenty people to come over here. And what you're saying may perfectly well be true, and you know, because and
1: I can't say because I don't know the heart of the person that's out there doing right. the church. But what I also can say is this, because I can remember when I had twenty five people, you right. Know, and it wasn't because I didn't want to be a junior pastor somewhere. It's because that's the, that's what I inherited. You know, right. the church elected me as the pastor. Right. And our average attendance was about thirty people. That was what it was. They elected me as the pastor. But and here's what I did when they elected me as the pastor. I cut the grass when the grass needed cutting. <laughs> when the plumbing went out, I did the plumbing. Right. We had leaks in the roof. I climbed up on top of the roof and and bought some tar from. Home Depot and tar, yep, tar the roof, Right. you know? When it was leaking or doing rain, I would go grab a bucket and put rain under there, you know? but the, And the difference is, uh, again, is because of how we give, you mm-hmm. see? We are not a people that, man, as a matter of fact, we will tell folk, you don't need the time. So we'll tell people that. But in the majority of churches, they don't view it that way. All right. See, they they it's, it's, it's boom, they don't tie. I, I, I one of our deacons one time, and I love him, loved him dearly. One of our deacons one time said to said to another member, the Lord know your heart, and the Lord know when you can afford a tithe. And and so if you ain't got it, you, you don't have to give it. And I mean, I I'm 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 flabbergasted. <laughs> you know, when he right. would say that. So he what he's saying is that I know it's in the Bible but the Lord know your heart. Well, l- l- wait a minute. If that's the case, the Bible says, thou shalt not commit adultery. So what should I say? The Lord know my heart. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's okay for me to commit adultery because the Lord know my heart. Right. Or what should I say? Uh, should I steal something and say, the Lord know my heart? The Lord know I needed it? So it's okay for me to steal it? See, but we rationalize it like that. As if because we can rationalize it, it's, it's true. Right. So what that force you to do is, is to not do what you need to do to get things done, you know, because of, of how people rationalize their participation and rationalize what they ought to be doing in reference to following the word of God. Now, you know, and it's just an unfortunate reality is that that's what people do. I, you know, I can tell you that in Enoch Baptist Church, and don't get me wrong, and I hope folks don't get mad at me, I love them folk at Enoch. I love them folk at Enoch with all my heart. But I can tell you that um, we, we're not close to 50% of our members' tithing. We're not close. We're probably at about 25, 30% of our members' you know, tithing. <laughs> 100%. And, you know, um, to me, that's, that's sad. You know, and I can tell you this: about just as for just as many people that tithe, there's an equal number of people that give nothing, you know, or give five dollars a month, right? You know, or, or something like that. And that, that, that really is it. For, there's an equal number to do just that. So how then can you ever have a ministry that fits your growth? See, we always when I mean, you're a businessman, you know, you you know, you yeah. understand. How can you get ahead of the curve if you're always operating behind the curve? Right. So when you you do it like that, you can never truly implement a plan for the future. You know, because the way we operate is this. Get the people first, then hire the person to take care of the people. Right. But the problem is, if the people don't get taken care of, they leave before you hire the person. And again, I'm not saying we should operate it as a business, but you got, you know, the Bible said nobody, Jesus said, no one builds a house without first counting the cost, which says well, we should operate with that kind of mindset. So I'm saying, it, like right now, you know, I've said this several times to people, and they, you know, a couple of people have asked me, Pastor, why do you keep saying that? Because it's a truism. If you want an effective, let's say, um, youth church, right? the way to get it is to adequately compensate the person that runs the youth church. Mm-hmm. I, mean, I mean, that's just yeah. simple. That's the way you get it. So, and if you have small children, that's what you want, right? Because their spiritual development should be just as valuable to you as their academic development in school. Mm-hmm. Right. All right. But, that's not how people view it, yeah, until the joker gets locked up, right? Then they view different. Same thing about, you know, visiting the elderly, visiting the people in the hospital, those kind of things. If you want the church to be able to function in that capacity, you know, the average person that's working every day, they can't get off work to go visit the people in the hospital. So if I want somebody to visit people in the hospital, you know, and even if they do get off, I mean, shouldn't it be compensated for the gas? So even if it's a retired person, I mean, we do have retired people, you know, that's that serve. But it doesn't make sense to say, well, listen, if you're going to do it, I'm going to compensate you for your gas, or at least buy your lunch, or right. at least do something. Because if you don't do it that way, then it doesn't become a priority with a person. And you want it to be a priority. In order for it to be a priority, you know, we
0: got to do what Jesus said. You don't want to be the ox in trade the coal. You know, I think some somewhat- of and I don't really know where everybody lives at that goes to you know, mm-hmm. like myself, I live in Chesapeake, so always away. Right. So mm-hmm. when you when you call me and say, CB, can you do this?" I, I literally have to schedule it on my schedule. Like, okay, I'm this is half a day. I'm going to be there, and I, I'm like, I got a meeting Wednesday. So <clears throat> Wednesday when I go to the, the management meeting, half my day. I'm saying, okay, I'm going to spend that now in Virginia Beach. Right. So. and so i know everything that you're talking about you know i've been behind the scenes of of some of the things and that's why i wanted to have you flesh some of that out so people can hear some of the things that we're trying to do and and you've heard me like pastor why can't do this x y z like you like i understand cb but (laughs) (laughs) there's so much i can do you know and i said well let me know what you need me to do and and then my wife sherry started going to the um the The meetings on Saturday, and then she came back saying the exact same thing that you told me about three years ago. <laughs> you know, it's like it hasn't really changed, and it's and it is frustrating. Mm-hmm. You know, um, and it, people try. I mean, I you know I don't want people to get the idea that I don't appreciate. You know, that people
1: try; they do try. But the reality is, is that in order for us to make things happen, we have to get out of the ghetto mentality and get into the in mentality that the Lord wants us to be in. Right, you yeah. know, but go ahead I should you have cut you off.
0: But it's fine. You said something too. Um, this was months ago, and was about the uh, Family Life Center, and you was talking. You had the the, the um, PowerPoint presentation on the board mm-hmm. and the graph up there, and I was like, "Oh, oh, well, I had, I know, I haven't gave anything, mm-hmm. you know." So, so I said, "Well, okay." So you know, went into the give now thing and I set the little reoccurring uh, payments up. Right, I said. Okay, I'm gonna set it for fifty dollars mm-hmm. a week and just let it just roll, right? Yeah, you know, I'm Which blessed. Which is more if, than what we asked for. M- right, because you asked for one dollar. Right. Mm-hmm. And I said, Well, and this is this is how I viewed it. Mm-hmm. I said, I know there's somebody here that's you know, that's not gonna give them one dollar. Mm-hmm. So let me take care of forty-nine other people in mm-hmm. here. I'm not ask you know, I mean you ask for it, hit for it, boom, gone. You know, so and I was blessed enough to be able to do that. Right. And but I don't know if anybody else did that. I don't you know, I really don't know, but I haven't asked either. But that's some of the things like if you want stuff to happen, it costs money or time.
1: Bingo. Absolutely. And in order for you to do either one, it has to be a priority. Right. It has to be a priority. And the only way your time becomes a priority. Is if one or two things, either you have an overabundance of it, or if you view your time as being um, less, if, if giving to God, your time doesn't take away from something else that you think is more valuable. You know, for example, if, 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 um, if let's say, you know, you, you work, you know, a job and I, I, I use funerals as an example. Let's say you work a job, right? Mm-hmm. And if we have a funeral, in order for you to come, it means you got to take leave to come and sing,
0: mm-hmm.
1: right? Well, what if you have no leave? Right. Can't come Well, you can, you, you can, but you ain't getting paid no right. more. Right. So now coming and sing means you lose money. Mm-hmm. So at that point, you're making a conscious decision. To wait a minute. I can't afford to lose money to come sing on the choir for the funeral. Ergo, I'm not coming. Right. You know? I mean I mean I'm, I'm using an example because I think it's one that people can just readily, you know, right. hold on to. And, and and that's a part of serve, and that's why again, you know, I mean just to, you know, I'm just saying if you if when we look at the growth, when we look at the service, and we're trying to serve a community uh, and even serve our members. You know, the key thing is, you know, as you pointed out earlier is if we establish our system where the Bible says, if that tithing is dealing, is, is taking care of the Levites and the priests, if it's taking care of that entire structure, you have a church that is um, really actively engaged and, and, and not, not engaged. So the pastor can be wealthy, but engage so the community can be wealthy. Right. And I think that's the key. Unfortunately, because oftentimes we, uh, you know, people, like I say, they look at it, it as a career and not a calling. They do it so they can be wealthy. And then people look at those, you know, 5% right. and they say, hey, I'm not giving my money for these folk, you know. Mm-hmm. And I don't blame them because right. those few
0: have made it look so bad. Yeah. And so, you know, I don't blame them. Right. You know. And, and right now, Pastor, I, I can say this because I've been on the behind the scenes. You're right now a victim of your own success. That's <laughs> my no way to put it. <laughs> yeah. Because you've done such a good job with the church. Mm-hmm. You've got it we've got the building, we've got the the facility, the the housing facility behind the, the church. Mm-hmm. And with the you was able to plan all that out with the limit of the funds being able to come in. So everybody's like, "What? Well, what do you need more money? You're like the bill is already built. Right. You know, we got this over here. Do you don't need no more money, Pastor? Right. You, yeah. I mean, you had it all. It's like you're like, no, we have not handled it all yet. Right. You know, off right. from it. Right. <laughs> so that's why I, I don't think people really understand how much of a how good of a job you do and being able to um, you're very frugal. You know, so, and I know you yeah. personally, so I know you. Very frugal. I know
1: very frugal. So. The jeans I got on, I've had for five years. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <Very frugal. laughs> well, we're coming to the end of uh, this episode, everybody, is going to be a part two episode. So um, thank you all so much. Is anything else, uh, Dr. Day, you'd like to bring? I think we're in good shape.
1: Just remind uh, folk that uh, we are coming up on uh Palm Sunday in a couple of weeks and then Easter Sunday. And, and so I'm, I'm hoping that everyone listening will will you know double down and uh, make sure that on Palm Sunday you come out and uh, show your appreciation for the triumphal entry of our Lord Jesus Christ uh, into the city and you know, Easter Sunday, come out and, and dress to impress. Let's go old school. Old Back. school. Let's go old school. Dress to impress.
0: <laughs> I thank y'all so much. This is your host CB Baker for next time.